Hello, people in podcast land. Welcome back. My guest today is Tom Otten, Managing Director at Create Media Group and an ultra-endurance athlete. Everyone experiences negative self-talk and doubt. How you deal with it is what makes the difference, and the choice is yours. Tom has run some of the toughest foot races on earth. On top of that, he's the Managing Director of one of the quickest-growing companies in Dubai and has a brand-new marriage which hasn't fallen apart. The fact that you can put all of this together means that he has an awful lot that we can all learn from him. So today, expect to find out what it's like to run for 50 hours without sleep, how to create the perfect company culture, why a victim mindset is the most important thing to overcome, how to lean into your fears to overcome failures, and much more. If you enjoyed the Marcus Smith episode from last week, then this is right up your street. I've absolutely adored recording with both of these guys. I do need to hold my hands up. It's another episode in my buddy Nick's flat, so there's a little bit of audio bounce. Also, someone in the YouTube comments last week identified that the call to prayer coming out of the local mosque could be heard just as Mike Thurston started talking about his sex life. So I'm not 100% certain what is in the background of this episode, but I'm not liable if that happens again. In other news, this episode of the podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. We have got Christmas coming up, and now is the time to buy yourself or a loved one who is perhaps in need of a little bit of a trim, something to make them less hairy. And it is not... I repeat, it is not a three-year-old electric shaver that used to shave your face and now shaves your balls. Manscaped has designed the Lawnmower 3.0 to be the greatest ball and body hair trimmer ever created, featuring a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents, a 90-minute battery so you can take a longer shave, waterproof technology which allows you to groom in the shower, and an LED light which illuminates your your dark areas for a closer and more precise trim. They've also upgraded to a 7,000 RPM motor and you can get 20% off everything plus free shipping with the code MODERNWISDOM. Simply head to manscaped.com and put the code MODERNWISDOM in to get 20% off absolutely everything that they make. Make sure that you're not starting 2021 with hairy balls or with an old razor or your, your... partner as well you know just let them trim the hair somewhere damp like in the rain they could do it in the rain they could shave in the rain because it's waterproof and the neighbors hopefully won't call the police manscaped.com and the code modern wisdom for 20 percent off and free shipping but for now it's time for the wise and wonderful tom otten Change it completely changes your headspace. I'm a completely different person than what I was when I started the whole ultra conversation. A completely different human. I look at things differently. I, I approach things differently. I value things differently. Interesting. Like everything, everything changed. Well, that's a good place to start. Yeah. So, what has changed? You have done multiple ultra events. What like? And what's what's the impact been on you? In terms of races, um, the first. Uh, First big, the first big one for me actually went really badly. Um, so myself and Marcus flew across to Wales and we did a 80-kilometer uh, run across the Brecon Beacons. First time I'd done anything like that. Um, it was a little bit last minute in terms of deciding 
that looks like fun, let's have a crack. Training was terrible for it in terms of when I look back now. Um, and body kind of fell to pieces, head fell to pieces. And it was, it was one of those situations that we've all been through, like you, you have to kind of hit the bottom before you can start to realize where, where, where you want to go. And you look back on that later in life and you realize that's exactly what needed to happen for me to then sort of evolve from there. So that, that didn't go well. Um, like I said- What's not well? No, I just, um, just body broke down, which is fine. I mean, that happens if you haven't trained for something, then obviously you can't expect to, to get through it very well. Finished it, but like weak head, complaining, uh, just moaning about shit, I'm, I'm done with this. Just like, as I suppose you'd expect somebody that hasn't worked on any form of mental strength or, or, or tried to sort of build that side of themselves up, you, you, you fall to pieces when you get into an environment like that when you're however many hours we were in. So that was a first experience and it haunted me. It really stuck in my head. I was going to say, a lot of people might have just turned back after that. Yeah, well, to be honest, it was one of those situations where I knew, I know myself well enough to know that that was going to sit with me for a long time. And it sat with me for a while and I realized that um, I had to do something bigger and I had to do something fairly soon to fix that. And it was, it's gambling, right? You're like, I'm going to go bigger and if this it's called the sunk cost fallacy yeah when well, you're there, in, there it when is you're it is on a the casino floor yeah. exactly right so <laughs> let's throw more money good money after bad money um, but the th- it's, it's a risk right because you're playing with your own mental space then you're like if this works out I'm, I'm good again but if it doesn't work out I've had two losses here and they're getting bigger so you know it's, just, oh, oh, it's the same as gambling like good analogy so the next thing we signed up for was Marathon de Saab, which was 250 kilometers across the Sahara Desert uh, I'm not sure if Marcus was chatting about that that earlier and um that was the first big thing. And that was when we talked about the like, reborn and the entire change of mindset. I, I sat on a charter flight out of Gatwick into, into Morocco and I was nervous as hell. I, was, I, I looked around. The only people on the flight were, were those doing the, the, the Marathon de Sun. And, and you, you see guys with like Iron Man tattoos all over them, just like, just like elite athletes, extreme people. And I'm just sat there thinking, shit, what am I doing on this flight? I'm a guy who complained about racing race and Yeah, last, yes. last time, yeah, last time I, I, I tried this, I, it just fell to pieces. And I, I literally, I sat there and I wrote a, a, a few notes on a piece of paper and it was, they were behavioral goals. It was, yes, it was finished. Yes, don't die. Um, but then it was, you know, inspire others to finish so um, and another one was don't complain once so I was putting myself I was challenging myself to the extent that it wasn't just about you need to try and finish this race it was going far beyond that to say you're not going to utter a single complaint a single word that's negative for eight days on what the Discovery Channel has termed the toughest foot race on earth and you're going to inspire other people to finish so which was so far removed from where I'd been in the previous race that that was the challenge I was trying to set myself to, to, to really push limits and boundaries. And it was that it was, it was sitting on the flight out afterwards, yet not necessarily having a, a physical medal or anything like that, but I still had that dirty, half-torn piece of paper that I kept with me the whole time. And to be able to look down at each of those things and say, I achieved that. Um, and that was, that was a, a real defining moment or a pivotal moment in terms of my journey, in terms of improving mindset and, and headspace. And it went from there, really. Um, I did the, the Marathon de Saab again, uh, this time down in Peru. So another 250K self-supported. You carry everything on your back. And they only give you water for, for six days. Everything else you're carrying with you and you're running through sand. So you can imagine, I won't get into all the details, but um, you can imagine what that's, um, what that's like. And then the, the most recent one, which was a little while back now, um, which was the 137 kilometer down across the Hatta uh, mountain range in Oman, the borders between UAE and Oman. And that was that was a, that was a whole different ball game. 
The 250 across the Sahara sounds crazy, but you break that down into 30 to 40K a day. Apart from on the fourth day, we did 92 kilometers, something like that, which was pretty intense on, on the fourth day of running. Because um, you basically sleep on the floor for five days at that point. So you can imagine, like, there's no showers, there's no nothing. It's, it's in a good way. Yeah, it's not, it's not the best. Um, but the one in Dan and Oman was a completely different ballgame. That was, uh, uh, it was, it was single, single leg. So 137K straight through. And the combined elevation of that race was 8,000 meters. Um, to put that into context, you know, Everest is 8,800. So it, that was a, a different ball game. How long did that take? 42 hours straight. Without sleep? Without sleep. I was awake for 56 hours. So yeah, that was a um, different ball game. What is it like to be awake for that long with physical exertion? You hallucinate. You, you start to have out-of-body experiences, and it's not just, um, I know that sounds um, dramatic, but that's, that's literally what happens. So like during the second night, we started at 7 p.m., so you run through the night. You start to feel a little bit like all over the place as the sun's coming up because you're still going. Then you go through all the heat of the day in the mountains. Then you go through sunset again when your body's started to tell itself it needs to sleep because of your circadian rhythm, as you well know. Um, and then you, you're still going. And then you're going through that next night. Now your body's like, hold on a second, we've been through two of these nights and you're still not in bed. <laughs> What's going Something's on? Happened to Something's you, happening. Something's yeah. happening. Um, so they start, you know, your body starts to do certain things to, to try and get you to stop. You have all the logical conversations with yourself around why it's okay to stop and why you should stop and, and that pain is actually, oh, you don't know what that could be, that could be something really bad. Like all this negative self-talk, all of the reasons, logical reasons as why you should stop. Um, and then you start to hallucinate and that's a really interesting space. So the second night from around about, um, I'd say midnight to about 4am, I went, only went through one checkpoint and I was completely on my own because they'd had, God, I think it was 50, 50 to 60% of the race had dropped out by that point. Um, it was the first time they'd ever run that race and I don't think anybody realised how horrific it was going to be. Um, <laughs> uh, National Geographic did a, a, a whole documentary on, on the race. Um, it's only been run once at that length. So they did it one more time two years later, but but uh, that's it. Um, it's 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 the most ridiculous thing. And like, we didn't realise, right? I mean, we're talking. The, the distance is almost irrelevant. The, the 137k because people can only conceptualise that on a road, and that sounds pretty crazy. It's 137 kilometres on a road. It sounds pretty ridiculous. But when you put in to context of 8,000 metres of elevation, that means. You're talking 1.2 kilometer down gorges. So you get to the edge of a gorge, you've got to go two kilometers as a crow flies, but you've got to go 1.2 kilometers down into this gorge and 1.2 kilometers back up. You go for 5K, you hit another one. So you, you're talking, it takes you six hours to go the space of six kilometers sometimes, or even longer. Like it's, uh, we were clipped in with carabiners climbing up cliff faces as part of this race. Um, it, it, it was the most ridiculous thing. Like we got the, the 120k mark. There was a checkpoint that I came into, blown to pieces, like you know, hallucinating through the night. Um, you know, eye, eyes gone, legs gone, no, just in, in, in bits. And that was 100. So that was 120 kilometers. The next three kilometers from 120k was straight vertical, 1.2 kilometers straight up. That we were scrambling. Poles had to go away. Um, and we were scrambling with like literally hands, like climbing, like scrambling up a, a cliff face. 
and we were we i mean i'd been awake i don't, I don't know why i say we because i was on my own <laughs> but um, um <laughs> me and the hallucinations yeah, in my head had been awake for ages it was just next level and um you know it was uh it, it was scary as hell because you know during the day it was 32 34 which living in the middle east that's that's okay you can we trained for that but it was at night um winds like howling and it was between six and eight degrees so the, the, the difference, you know, you, you, you know what it's like, you start to get tired, you start to get cold. Now we're not used to the cold in the Middle East either. So now you're on a cliff face, it's blowing, it's pitch black, it's three in the morning, you're hallucinating, you're trying to scramble, you've got 120 kilometers in your legs, um, and you, you, know, I mean, you barely know what day it is, so you just keep trying to move. So that was, um, I suppose that was the culmination, my personal journey of that first race in, in Wales and Abergavenny, where I just fell to pieces on an 80k wasn't flat it was the Brecon Beacons but it was pretty sedentary walk in the park compared yeah. to this afternoon stroll and then you end up with that thing and it was just like you know uh, finishing it was was just about survival and it was um it was a, it was yeah it was an interesting place you spoke about the logical rational reasons to stop mm. that your brain throws up yeah. and I'm fascinated by those because as someone who's never done an endurance race like that yeah um I but exercises a lot everybody yeah. knows what it feels like to hear that voice, oh, yeah. that's a uh-huh. that's a twinge. That's that's where you injured yourself three years ago. That mm. might be coming back. Mm. What do you? What is going through your head? How do you deal with that negative self-talk and that doubt? Look, it's a really good question, and um, one thing I really want to drive home for listeners to take away from this is that everybody experiences that negative self-talk. It doesn't matter who you are, whether you're David Goggins, whether you know, it doesn't matter who you are, and and this is the. This is where a lot of people get it wrong. A lot of people think that that person, whoever it might be, is must be made of something else because there's no way that they have the same narrative internally as, as I do. And it's the same narrative. Sometimes I'm on a, a 10 or 15K run and sometimes you just feel like shit and you, and you want to stop. It's exactly the same narrative. I know this is hard to understand. It's exactly <laughs> the same narrative as when you're there at, at, at 120 kilometers into a race. It's, I want to stop. These are the reasons why. That all makes sense. It's okay. All of these things. So all of that will happen. And, and you know, the listeners can experience that on a 10K run or, or it can be 120K. But it's just the same narrative. And it's understanding that it's okay to have that negative self-talk. Accept it. Don't, don't think that you're a lesser person because something in the back of your mind is telling you that you should stop when you're uncomfortable. At the end of the day, our brain is, is programmed to protect us. That's what it does throughout time. It protects us. So when you're putting your body through excessive strain, your brain's job is to stop you from doing it. Your brain's job is not to push you harder. Your brain's job is to keep you within inside your comfort zone. In very inventive ways. In very inventive ways. It's a crafty bugger. So <laughs> you've, you've, got, you've got to accept the fact that that's going to happen. Um, and and it's, it's accepting that narrative and then, and then allowing, um, allowing yourself to, not allowing yourself, bringing different tools into play to, to get through that and get past that. First thing is acceptance of that narrative and just being like, cool, I, I hear you. I'm not going to listen to you, but I hear you. It's okay. And then it's also, you know, there's, there's all sorts of tricks that you can, like, you start going Jedi mind tricks on yourself and you start thinking, right, well, you know, there's, there's internal motivation, there's external motivation. Um, external motivation can be, okay, but when I get to the end of this race and I'm sat down with my support crew, you know, my wife, my girlfriend, my coach, whoever it might be, external motivation is like, what, what conversation do you want to be having with them? Oh, these are all the 15 reasons why I dropped out of this race and I didn't feel so good. So that, there's your external motivation right there. If you can visualize that, then straight away you're going to be like, 
no, I'm not having that conversation. No, I'm going to keep going. I'm not having that conversation. That's the external side of it, right? The internal side of it, and there's always a, a the ratio can, can change depending on a number of things, but the internal side of it has got to be like, why am I actually doing this? If you're going to put yourself through a very difficult situation, you need to know why beforehand. And the reason being is because it's inevitably going to get very difficult at some point. And if you don't have a reason why you're doing it that's valid, then what are you going to do? You're going to stop, right? You're going to pull out of it. Because why am I even here? I don't understand why I'm here. In the same way, uh, uh, um, maybe an understandable example of this, you sign up for your first marathon. It scares the shit out of you. You wake up at five o'clock in the morning. You know exactly why you're waking up at five o'clock in the morning. If you hadn't signed up for the marathon, and I said, wake up, at five, I mean, you probably do that anyway, but if I said, if you weren't a, an athlete, and you said, right, wake up tomorrow morning at 5 a.m. and go for a run. Cool, okay, I'm motivated. Day three, what are you doing? Wake up at 5 a.m., you're like, what the hell am I doing? You're like, fuck it, I'm not doing that. There's no reason to do it. But if you signed up for a marathon, and you're actually a bit worried about completing it, and you've got sponsorship, and you've got all these things, you now have both internal and external motivation for, for getting through that. So it's understanding that, that narrative internally and playing those, those Jedi mind tricks on yourself to get you through, to, to complete the run, or to get up in the morning, or whatever it is that, that's causing you that pain at the time. What was the transformation that you saw in yourself pre-endurance, Tom, and post-endurance, Tom, as a day-to-day? Um, not feeling sorry for myself about anything uh, so not feeling that let's say you're in a negative situation let's relate it to business or to life break up with a, in a relationship whether it be a, that whether it be a work situation not feeling sorry for myself in terms of this is happening to me the conversation with myself is this is happening and then how am I dealing with it not this is happening to me so, for example, if we put it into a business situation, if we lose a contract for, for whatever reason, it's objectively looking at it and understanding why. If somebody does wrong by you, you can sit back and say, okay, well, you, you can take that victim's mindset of saying, right, why are all these things happening to me? Woe betide me. And, and you can sit in that little pool of self-pity for as long as you like. That's not going to get you anywhere. Or you can understand that this is what's happening. How do I deal with it? 2020 is a prime example. We've always, as we've already said, it's a suboptimal year, as you very well put. <laughs> um, as we look at that, there's a lot of people, and, and, and I'm very conscious that everyone's going through a different experience with this, right? For some people, it's devastating. For other people, it's, it's moving in their direction. And there's a whole range in between. So uh, certainly not being flippant to that fact at all, but also understanding that there is, a, there is a way of dealing with this from a mindset perspective that will either benefit you or will not help you in any which way and that's understanding that it's happening and the dynamics have changed so therefore it's just how you react to it if it's a negative if, if it's affecting affecting you and your whatever your scenario is negatively it just is what it is and it's now understanding okay well if this is the new set of scenarios i have to deal with how am i navigating it or you sit at home and you're like this isn't my fault. Look at the world. Uh, I'm reading. I'm reading the news every day, and uh, the whole world's melting. And I can't possibly find a, a single positive story in this. And I can't positively, possibly um, achieve any of my goals. Or I can't think of new goals to set. And, and you know, we, I'm sure we all know people that are that are sitting in that space and just saying that none of this is my fault. Therefore, I can't do anything about it. And that, and that's the key difference. It's the mindset of like, is it is it your fault or is it your responsibility? 
But it's not your fault that the world is melting down, but it is your responsibility to do something about it, whether that be for you personally, whether that be through for your business, whether that be through for your family, whatever it is. Like that's your responsibility, right? Um, and I suppose that's the mindset shift of going back to a run. Everything, you know, all hell's breaking loose. You know, your knee's gone. You've your water's run out. It's just a different set of scenarios, and you can't constantly play the victim's mindset of this is happening to me therefore I give up it's just a different set of scenarios that you've got to approach and that endurance experience has then transitioned across for you into everyday life yeah massively massively so same with, with you know whether it be work whether it be personal relationships all of these things you just approach it that, that this is a, a, a changing set of scenarios if it's a mistake that you've made own the mistake you know, none of us are perfect, whether it be business, whether it be fitness, whether it be personal, we've all got our flaws. So own any mistakes that you make, but just try and make a positive impact wherever you can for yourself and for, you know, for the scenario that you're trying to affect, whether that be business or personal. I was reading the Almanac of Naval Ravikant again okay. the other day, and in that he says, you are born, a set of stimulus occurs, and then you die. Okay. How you choose to respond is completely up to you. Perfect. Perfect. And it's so simple. Like, I wish I'd said that rather than the last fifteen minutes of a conversation. No, that one was that was much more <laughs> insightful. Right? That's one of the problems that I have. I'm unsure how I feel about this pithy aphorism maxim world. Hmm. I like the fact that you can deliver an entire concept, and maybe everyone that's listening, when they think about you're born, you receive hmm. some stimulus, and you pass away. How hmm. you choose to respond up to you? Maybe that will be what they take and think. Ah, that tells me all about the lessons yeah. that Tom gave me. Hmm. In that element I like it hmm. in another element it can become quite a sort of masturbatory um, showy game hmm. of who can Some, cite, stuff cite the most sort <laughs> yeah. of cerebral cool quote yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah they're important though I think so I think, it, yeah. I think that there must be little mantras that we keep telling ourselves yeah. and that's something that I asked your good buddy Marcus Smith yeah. earlier on today is there anything that you keep in your mind as you're going through particularly painful sections of these events is there something you go back to a little mantra um, to be honest it's in, in terms of terminology it's not, it's not one single mantra it's just understanding that the, the concept that was very well put by yourself just then in terms of I don't want to I don't want to I don't want to live with regret at the end of the day um, and that's what it that's what it comes down to it's like you know, forgive yourself for your flaws um, but if it's coming down if you're talking specifically about a race it's just understanding why you're there it's just understanding that um, that you don't want to be looking back on this and that you failed and that drives me in business that drives me in in, in everything um, and that's an approach to life you as you've just suggested there have got a lot of irons in the fire mm. and extreme endurance events you've also is it the 46th fastest growing com- company like in the like unbelievably quick growing company yeah. which has got multiple offices all across this area of the world mm. and a family life and then also just trying to exist as a human yeah how do you balance all of those things i and a lot of the people that are listening mm. will think like i couldn't do one of those things <laughs> full time and somehow yeah. This guy is. Have you got the cheat code to fit thirty six hours into a day? <laughs> I wish like, I did, mate. You know, is there is there a doppelganger that you've got like a secret <laughs> identical twin that you're not telling us about? Yeah. Look, it's um, there's it, a number of things, mate. I mean, look, it, it's 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 certainly putting the hours in. Um, you know, over the years, it's, they say you got to you got to choose your pain, right? In terms of 
what do you want out of life? Um, anything that you choose, any direction you choose to go in uh, comes with um, you know, pros and cons in terms of, we good with the? All good, yeah. man. Um, so in terms of direction you want to go in with life, right? If you choose to set a goal, that comes with, uh, that comes along with um, different types of pain. So what can that look like if we're, if we're talking in this context? I've missed uh, so many social engagements. I've let friendships that have um, that fizzle out. Uh, I, I know far less people than I, than I used to. Um, but I'm okay with that as well because I'm very focused in terms of where I'm going and, and what I want to achieve out of life and what I'm trying to get to. So it just comes down to prioritizing a lot, a lot of things. You know, it's, it's trying to be as organized as possible, but like I'm certainly not the most organized person. People probably think I've got an agenda for everything. I don't. Um, and and it's it's funny. Like I have conversations with people, and people think that I must have everything like covered and, and crossed and t's t's crossed and 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 eyes dotted. And, and the truth is, I don't, mate. Um, but I do put the hours in. I do work through the weekends, and I do have a, a I suppose an outlook on life as we touched on earlier when I when we first arrived and we were talking about this. And it's it's understanding that that all of it just fits into into life and it's easy to say when when you own the company and and you know whether you're working or whether you're not working it's all kind of the same thing it's just i have a goal with the business and and i want to get there and that doesn't fit into a nine to five sometimes i'm sat at one o'clock in the morning writing ideas down and sometimes i'm off running for three hours in a day you know it's it just depends what's on that day the agenda evolves um do you pity people who haven't found this level of passion in their life? P- pity would be the wrong, the wrong term. I do, um, I do feel that even like close friends, I feel that there's, there's a lot of opportunity for them to grow into that space. You know, I think it's really important that people find their passions and I've been lucky to find it in, in a number of different ways. You know, my personal relationship with my wife, um, my business and, and running. And I absolutely love all of those things. And, and to be able to explore all of them to, to the extremes to go from meeting someone to getting married from um, from running as for a bit of fun to exploring you know places in the Sahara Desert that very few people will ever visit to being able to you know, have the opportunity to grow a business like this and it's um, I, I know that I'm very fortunate but I know it's also because I've focused on these things and none of these things have just happened it's been a conscious focus and a constant effort to try and to try and drive that, and that and that comes as I said, going back to the the choose your pain thing. It's like if you're if you're going to be um, really focused on something, and one way to explain it is that look, you can't you can't be half in on on everything because that just results in in average, right? So if people have this concept of a balanced life, and if you try and remain balanced with all of these things, what actually happens is you you hit a median level across all of them. If you think of them on a on a, let's say a, a table chart you only hit median level on everything so my focus and my kind of concept and this, this isn't new but it's certainly something I followed for a long time is this constant level of imbalance so micro imbalance for macro balance so if you look at my life across the board I'm very happy with a relationship with a business and I enjoy my passions and enjoy my friends um, but at a certain time I'm completely imbalanced so if I'm gearing up for a long race like, you won't get hold of me because I'm either running or I'm working. If there's a huge thing going on at work and when you're opening a new office or we're moving a country or something, something that's happening, I'm all in on that and I, you know, I won't be seen so much around the running track. But then, and then sometimes, you know, if I'm just getting married or something, right, <laughs> as you do, you're all in on that. And then, you know, so it's, it's, 
it's focusing on whatever the goal is in a certain time frame, going all in in that space to try and be the best version of yourself in that space. So like, with, with running, you can only get to being, having the capacity to run for 40 odd hours and you know, run ultramarathons if you're purely focused on that. But the thing that I see is that the community I spend time with, and I'm not talking the Unified community, but let's say when we go to those races, the only people there are like absolute uber running geeks, right? They're, they're all in, it's their entire life. But I'll step into that scenario and then I'll step out of it. And then I'll go into the business space where there's business owners and, 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 and business leaders that are, that's all they do for like 90% of their life. And they really struggle with any form of fitness. They really struggle with, with balancing anything. And then there's, you know, it's, that's easier to quantify than their personal relationship. But you can, see, you can see that. What I try and do is find the time and dedicate the time to be the best I can in this space, but then pull back from it. I can't, be, I can't have the capacity to run an ultramarathon all year unless that's all I did so I, pull, I go in and I go out and that's how I try and achieve as much as I can in a certain space pull back from it focus on a different space and then maybe go back to that a few months later so macro balance but micro very much imbalanced is that done in advance do you look at your year is this very is it a very structured thing you can't just decide to run an ultra marathon tomorrow but similarly there's a lot of inputs that we don't have control over mm the new catastrophe that inevitably yep. occurs at work, the injury <laughs> that throws your yeah. training schedule out, the argument you have with your missus, etc., yep. etc. What is the process that you go through to kind of set that out? Because it sounds fantastic. Mm. And everyone that's listening should have listened to the episode I did with Greg McEwen on essentialism. Mm -hmm. Focus on the vital few, not the trivial many. Where mm. is the single highest point of contribution that you can have in your life? Yeah and go for that. Hmm. Naval Ravikant, uh, become the best in the world at what you do, continue to redefine what you do until it's true. Okay. Um, and all of these different things take yeah. us to the same place, which yeah. is deep, focused work, single task focus, yeah. multitasking is bullshit, you can't do multiple things mm -hmm. at once, and even if you try to spread that out really across month periods, yeah. you can't open the new office whilst you train for the ultramarathon, it's just yeah. not going to happen. Yeah. But implementing that, actually taking it from it being a concept that everybody can really understand cerebrally yeah. and getting it into their life. Mm. Is this a pre-commitment? Are you looking at quarters and thinking, right, okay, I have this event coming up, I have this office opening coming yeah. up, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to allow and notice the discomfort from knowing that my fitness is dropping off yeah. or from knowing that I'm going to have to miss some emails or knowing that me and my wife are maybe going to have a more strained relationship. Mm because of this focus elsewhere is yeah. that is that something that you have to plan in advance yeah look really good question i mean it's it's something that i that i do plan i wouldn't i wouldn't say that there's a there anything that's, that's written Formal down in structure no okay. there's not but it's there there are certain um pillars going back to you know, your points there a race the race date is the race date right if you want to run that race and you've signed up for it in six months then that dictates a lot of the training program already um but also, you can choose different races to, to do throughout the year based on what else is going on in life. So there's, there's, there's a focus in terms of what does the year look like? When is a good time for us to be, when, when is a good time for me to be training? When is a good time to be, to be racing? Um, what's going on in, in, in business? And have that rough schedule to say, right, these are the things. And so, but sometimes it'll go wrong. But you have to have that, that approximate structure. But then sometimes I'll have to bail on a race four weeks before the, the race, even if I've done three months of training for it, because I realized that right now the priority is something going on in business. We might have won a big account or lost a big account or you know, whatever, whatever happens, you know, it's, it's chaos, control chaos every day. So um, 
with, with that side of things, like that has to take priority. I don't put myself and my running over business because I'm beholden to 100 people at the agency. Like my job is to look after them. So if I'm being selfish and going off and doing ultras, that can't be at their detriment. Um, so that's that's always a bit of a challenge. Uh, my wife is amazing, so she always, you know, she she gives me the, the the freedom and the space to do as I want to when it comes to all that side of things. Um, but but yeah, sometimes you just have to pull the plug and, and refocus. So it's always just this constant reprioritizing of what's in front of you. But it should be built on a, on a, some sort of a structure, even if it's just in your head. Because if you don't have any goals, how are you going to achieve anything? Like I said, it's. In business, we sit down at the start of the year and we structure, or at the end of the previous year, we structure, this is what we want to do next year. Financial plans, um, goal setting, right, we want to open a new territory, whatever that might be. And that's a very structured process because that's what's needed. That then gets um, assimilated through the business, senior management buy into that. This is what each of them need to do in order to achieve that wider goal. So that's all very, very structured. There's an element that you should take from that understanding into your personal life to say, okay, if I want to Whatever it is, if I want to run a marathon this year, if I want to do X, Y, or Z, lose fifty pounds. Whatever it is, get a partner. Yeah, start. There, there we go. So if you want to, if you want to get a partner, for example, and, and you might be meeting the wrong people, you're probably going to the wrong places. So you know how these things don't just happen. A you know, business doesn't just build itself. A, a marathon doesn't run itself. And you know, finding a partner sometimes you can be lucky, but quite often you've actually got to start to think about it. Especially as we get a little bit older, we're not meeting the hundreds of people that we used to because we're not going out as much. You have to be a little bit more considerate of being like, okay, well, if I want to meet the right people, where am I going to put myself into the situations of hopefully meeting those people? So everything needs to be thought through to an extent and then life happens, right? So then you've got to roll with the punches sometimes. Sometimes that serendipity and it all works out and it's amazing and you're like, wow, I could never have scripted it. And other times the shit hits the fan and you've got to deal with a new set of scenarios as we discussed earlier. But at least have some sort of structure because if you don't, what are you doing? Just, you're just bouncing off the walls. You know what I've just thought of there, which would be a really cool thing to do and I'm going to maybe suggest to some of my buddies that we might do it this year, would be to have an AGM on your life it's great at, the, at the end of the year yeah. and do it you know around about Christmas time yeah. when everyone's back home what and have say, you achieved yeah, yeah how was your year man what yeah. went well you know present to the board like yeah. the floor is yours Tom like yeah. you know step up and tell us what did you what did well what did badly what do you wish that you could have improved on yeah. and what are your goals for next year what do we all want to achieve next year how can we help how can oh you want to do that ultra thing? Well, actually, I happen to have two complete psychopaths in <laughs> Dubai that I'm buddies with yeah. who can tell you about the best training plan or this yeah. thing. Oh, you want to start a, a creative agency? Yeah. I happen to have an amazing videographer, yeah. whatever it might be. Yeah. I think that would be a really cool thing to do. And one of the issues that I have, uh, and many people may do as well, those of us that like being self-sufficient mm. often get stuck in ruts more than I think people who are pulled out by other stimulus so yeah. the advantage of having the AGM is that you will get that different input we mm. all know what we think it's very rare that I actually have a new thought I think mm. the neuroscience suggests that 90% of the thoughts that you had today are the same as you had yesterday Okay, which actually means that existing in your mind is a lot like being trapped by the most boring repetitive captor in history Yeah, um, and Thinking about that makes you realize that learning is a very slow process. Mm. 10% of the thoughts that you have mm. are, the, are the different ones from yesterday. Yeah. Compound that over a year. It's like, I don't actually spend that much yeah. time thinking of new stuff. Oh. It's still the same traumas that I had from when I was in school. It's still yeah. the same fears that I used to have from yeah. when I was at uni and all that stuff. Um, yeah, I think that the influence of people like that could be a real 
But I think it would be really powerful. And, and no, that's an interesting point about the uh, about the um, the concepts and the thoughts being so similar. And I think that's why it's so important to to read, to listen to podcasts, to to start to expand your um, I suppose level of uh, content consumption that pulls you in those different ways. Because you're right, if you're self sufficient mentally and with you, you set your life up to be like I'm cool as I am I've got everything I need etc etc and you're not going to get pulled in all of those different directions and all the different stimulus is going to affect you so much so as you said you can get stuck in a rut and if you're constantly thinking about trying to solve every problem yourself you're only going to get so far with that right we all need support we all need help um, and to succeed it's always a group effort and no matter who it is no matter how how single focused they are no matter how that how much they seem like they've done everything themselves it's always a team effort because they've had support from someone along the way and i think going back to your point about the agm i actually used to to do something with with marcus another friend and another friend of mine a few years ago when we were all kind of coming up and we'd have monthly sessions where each of us each um each time it was another person's focus. So let's say uh, we meet on Wednesday. This is this is your your um, your meeting basically. You would send out a brief to us. It was all written up. We had documentation for it. We would read it. What's the scenario? What's the problem you're facing? What what are your challenges? And we would then think about it. And when we come to the meeting, we discuss it. And we're all prepped. Have solutions. Yeah, and we'd we'd, we'd support. I can help with this. I can help with that. Um, so I think. Look, for listeners as well, I mean, you know, you, I think you've always got to audit the people that you're spending most of your time with. We've all heard the, you know, you're the fifth person and, and et cetera, et cetera. So are the people that you're spending the most time with are the most important group of people. And as we get as we get older, it starts to change, it starts to evolve. It has to be a conscious decision. You can't just be friends with someone because you're friends with them at school. If that, if that friendship is no longer serving you, then you can still obviously be acquaintances, be friends with them, but they shouldn't be in your in your circle of five people if you're not helping them grow and they're not helping you grow. Like, you, ha- that you have to be supporting each other. And I think it's really important to, to understand who those people that you have around you that you're learning from, um, how you're supporting them and how they're going to support you. So if you create that environment with this AGM with the four or five or six people that you've got in your head. Annual growth meeting. There you go, annual growth meeting. There you go, perfect. We've nailed it, man. Yeah, but it's, it's a super important concept. If you've got those people in your life, you're lucky, right? Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, a lot of people that are going to be listening might be thinking, wow, I'm thinking about the people I hang out with every day. Yeah. They're not really helping My AGM is going to be a board meeting of me and the cat. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's super important. If you can't think of people to put on that board, let's say, in this concept that we're talking about now, then you need to start to think about that because that will have such a significant effect on your future that you need to start thinking about it and thinking, okay, I need to spend time with people like that that will make me think, that make me feel good about myself, that will challenge me, that will allow me to grow, that will push me to grow. That's going to be one of the single biggest, that in your own mindset, going to be the biggest factors in determining your success. Where do you see people around you going wrong the most with motivation and with staying on track? Sure, victim mindset all the time. And it, it, it blows my mind and it frustrates the shit out of me. It's people feeling sorry for themselves, thinking that you know, everything's happening to them, that life is happening to them. Um, not, and it's not happening because of them. They're not actually taking those steps forward. They're, they're, they're seeing what's happening. They're saying, hands up. I give up. This isn't my fault. I'm allowed to quit because of these things that have happened. And it's, it's that going back to that. Is it your fault or is it your responsibility? It's going back to that thought process. And it's that, that frustrates me at the end of the day. Um, it's people not taking ownership of whatever that problem is. And it's, it's very easy. 
it's very easy to be negative, right? There's a, there's a, a thousand reasons as to why, and you know, why you can't achieve what you want to achieve. There's there's always so many reasons as to that you can point to, because um, we all we all have stressful lives, right? We've all got we all none of us have enough time. None of us um, have all the resources that we want, whether that be financial or otherwise. Um, so it's 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 that mindset of of saying I don't have enough. I don't have enough time, I don't have enough whatever um, to achieve what I want to achieve. And because of all these scenarios and these things that I have no impact on, I therefore can't achieve X, Y, or Z. And that, to us, mate, it frustrates the shit out of me. That point of people realizing, leaning into that discomfort and actually thinking, what's the next step? Trying to get over the inertia of noticing there's something wrong. Is it, for you, is your solution not looking to have regrets? Is it an aggression, like leaning into discomfort? Is it a, uh, I'm grateful to be here, sort of mindful acceptance? You understand there's multiple different ways that people could get over that because as you said already, everybody feels like that. Mm. Like why is this occurring? That thought, no, it pops up. It's how you deal with that and then move forward. What's your sort of personal strategy with that? Look, I mean, it, for, for me, it's, it's just, yeah, I mean, look, to be honest, it, it goes back to that, that, that same thought process around around feeling sorry for yourself or not. It's just, um, you know, how do you get yourself out of that rut? How do you focus on moving forward? How do you keep how do you keep challenging yourself? How do you keep wanting to grow? I mean, for me, um, there's a few. I mean, you, you touched on something before we started the podcast, actually, about um, around leadership, right? So 2020 has been a challenge for leadership in, in a number of different areas. Now, as you can imagine, without me going into all the details, if you're dealing with 100 people that, that I look after in the agency that are remote working now, so that, that was one thing. Everyone come together, right? As of 48 hours time, no one's coming back to the office. Everyone's going remote. So the thing of the operational challenges, because the clients don't give two shits whether you're in the office or whether you're at home. Like they want the work They've got done. Deliverables are deliverables, so, yeah, right? Yeah, deliverables are deliverable. And if you're late, you're late. So like, that, you know, that, that was a challenge anyway, just navigating that side of it. But yeah, you're right. When I'm having clients phoning up and saying, oh, we've got to put this on hold because X, Y, or Z, or our funding's been pulled by the government, so you know, we've got to, got to stop this contract, and all this chaos on one side, but yet you've got to be a cheerleader to, to the entire team on, on the other side and be like, you know, we're in this together, and we know we're going to drive through them, we're going to run through walls together, and trying to get everyone motivated to really pull them together and really build the culture within the agency. Now, that's, that's a real challenge, and you know, at, at multiple times, whether it be that scenario of like you've got to lean into that uncomfort you have to lean into that 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 pain and that is how you grow that is what a leader does and so you can have these you can have this internal dialogue and this is often a, this is one that's really worked well for me is imagining what the ideal leader would do so don't put yourself in the situation at this point let's say okay x has happened you happen to be the leader of this scenario, whether it be your business, whether it be your team, whether it be, you know, whatever your scenario is, you're the leader in this particular um, scenario. X has happened and it's, and it's, and it's bad. Now you, you should look at that. This is how I do it. I look at it and be like, okay, let's remove myself from this, remove the emotion from it. I look at it and be like, if I was reading about this in a book, what would the ideal leader do? How would they behave? How would they act? How would they engage with their team? How would they engage with whatever it is that's the challenge? And I build that little framework. And sometimes this entire conversation can happen in my head in one minute before I, whilst I go quiet, 
figure it out and then and then act or it can, you might have a bit more time you might have a few days to understand what's happened and work out what you're going to do next so it's, it's understanding taking the emotion out of it figuring out what that blueprint looks like and then putting yourself back into it and saying this is what I have to do so it's all, you, like you create the blueprint of what you need to do next you create your plan in your head and then you say but I'm the leader in this scenario, so I have to do these things. I have to be the one that stands up and puts my hand up and say, actually, this is a scenario. Um, it could be, I mean, we're talking about, often when it's a particularly uncomfortable situation, you might not know how to deal with it. It could be something at, at work that, that's happened between two people. It can be um, a social situation within work, but let's say a, you know, a worldwide social movement, and you're like, how do I engage with what's going on in the world and relate it to my team and be the figurehead for it and do I bring everyone together to discuss this or do we pretend like it's not happening? How should we do it? So again, going back to I sit on my own, I think about what would the ideal leader do here and then I try and do it and I try and emulate that. So And that's mostly leaning into uncomfortable things. So if you have that mindset, that often will dictate because you've already made the, the decision to yourself, I'm going to always try and do the, once I've come up with a plan, I'm the guy that's going to do it. So constantly doing that, you remove the choice of saying, oh, do I feel like this? Do I not feel like this? Because nine times out of 10, if it's worth doing, you don't feel like doing it. But you, you look back on it and you think, shit, I'm really glad I did that. And someone else is there going, that was a really good move. That was the decision to make. That yeah. was the decision to make. There's a few things we've been through recently that tie in with this. The third party perspective, as it's called, which is a mental model that mm. doesn't take your side or the opposite side. It mm. imagines you as a third person. Okay. Uh, there's a famous Joe Rogan video for, on it called Be the Hero of Your Own Story. Okay. And he says, imagine that your life is a movie and the mm. movie starts now mm. and the hero's downtrodden and overweight and depressed and yeah. like doesn't have a partner and he's lonely like what would the hero do mm. like you're that guy do that now yeah you can be that hero right now yeah, and then uh, james clear talks about identity-based change so the way that james gets people to change their habits especially difficult and ingrained ones is he gets you to ask what would the person i want to be mm. do in this situation mm. so rather than being a smoker that's trying to quit smoking it's i don't smoke I'm not a smoker. What would not a smoker do right yeah. now? Not yeah. a smoker wouldn't yeah. have a cigarette. Yeah. So not a smoker Tom or not a smoker Chris wouldn't do it. Mm. Decision made. Yeah. It does help us to cut through. I've been fascinated this year thinking about just how much noise our brains create and that having these very, very simple heuristics, George McGill, my mm. good buddy who was on the show yesterday, said Elon Musk Every decision he makes, there's one rule, one heuristic that he follows. Will this get the human race closer to Mars? Amazing. Jeff Bezos, Amazon, mm. one rule. Does this improve the customer's experience? Mm -hmm. That's it. Yeah. And when you run all of the noise, all of the... And you think these guys must have such a complex decision tree of what yeah. it is that they're doing. It's like, no, 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 no. The two, two of the most famous entrepreneur innovators on the planet are relying on a rule each to okay. guide everything they do, business and personal life. And I'm trying to bring it back to that simplicity, and this goes back to the Maxim aphorist mm -hmm. stuff that we were talking about earlier on. Mm -hmm. Having a little mantra, having these small pithy quotes and, and concepts that you can distill down to rely on actually help to remind us that all of the, the chaos that's going yeah. on can actually be simplified down. Yeah, look, very much so. And it comes down, you know, what you said there about Elon Musk and, and, and Bezos, is it's, that comes, that simplicity 
comes from a goal. And that goal is so well-defined in both, in both of them in terms of what they want to do, right? So if you have a, a goal, and let's, take it, let's make it a little bit more, let's say, uh, conceptually understandable for, for us that we're not... Going to we're, Mars. We're not those guys, right? We're not going to Mars. But let's, go, let's use the marathon as an example again, right? So if you've set that goal of, of running a marathon or whatever the challenge is for yourself, every decision you make either takes you closer to that goal or further away. So once you define exactly what it is that goal is in your life, every decision falls within the framework of getting you closer or further away. So it doesn't surprise me. I, haven't, I hadn't heard that about, um, about Elon Musk, but that doesn't surprise me at all. And that's what, that's what goal setting is all about, right? Because if you have a clear goal, then everything else becomes so much more simple. Now with, with the ultras, someone would find, oh, do you want to go for a beer tonight? No. Very, very simple, very simple to make that because if I do that, it's getting me further away from my goal. And if you're super focused on where you want to go, and it goes back to the, the, the micro imbalance and the macro balance, at that time, if, if that decision gets you closer or further away, it's a very easy decision to make, isn't it? Mm. If, what, you've fully bought it if you've fully bought into it. What advice would you give yourself 10 years ago? Good question. Um, focus on people. And what I mean by that is... That's used across so many different so many different ways. That the, there's any success we've had in the agency um, over the last few years is purely because of the people that we have in the business, but the focus on people within the community that we have. We have a, we have an outstanding internal team culture. It's, it's the thing that I'm most proud of, more than any other accolade of fastest growing and the clients we have or anything like that. It's the it's the culture we have in the business that there's there's no bullshit, there's no politics. There's no backstabbing. There's no. There, there's none of this, and we're operating in an, in, a, in an environment that's notorious for it. Agency life is notorious for all of the things that I just said, especially in this region. So we've created this environment where we have a very, very low staff turnover, um, and we focus on we focus on people over profits. And that's not just a nice thing that is put up on the wall, but it's it's it really is the deciding factor of everything that we do. And there's a number of reasons around that. I'm personally not motivated about chasing money. It's not why I get out of bed in the morning. And, and it allows me to make decisions really easily with regards to, okay, that's going to cost us more money, but it's the right thing to do for the people. So we just do that time and time and time again. And 10 years later, you end up with a culture where everybody in the environment knows exactly what's um, I suppose what's championed and what's uh, you know what's celebrated and what's you know what's promoted within the business and it's it's not sales it's not bringing in a big contract it's not it's not all of those financial drivers although they're important because we're still a, you know, we're still a business and you know that has to work for for everybody to be able to come to work but the focus is always always about what people have done for each other I'll give you an example we used to, we do I do a, a full agency meeting every Wednesday so we've got everybody on the call anywhere from 80 to 100 people on a, on, a wow. Zoom, on a Zoom call. And we start every single meeting with 10 minutes, we call the compliment circle. So everybody in the Zoom chat, uh, everyone in the Zoom chat writes down what they're grateful for and to whom they're grateful, so from a work context. So, oh, thanks so much for Jenny, because she went over and above. What she, were you grateful for this week, can you remember? What was I grateful for this week? Um, for me, yeah, to be honest, it's, 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 it's literally the management of the workload that we've got on right now. We're in a fortunate space where we spent ten years building our our digital credibility and and 
and pushing the business into that space. COVID has, has accelerated digital. So you know, we're in a fortunate space that we're very busy right now um, because we're managing all it. It's changing dynamics, but we're, we're busy in that space. And I'm incredibly grateful for the amount of work that the team is dealing with because we've got people that are, that are burning themselves to the floor that my job is to facilitate that as much as I can, hire as many people as we can to try and depressurize. And we're a growing organism. We're not perfect. Like we make mistakes as a business, but the intent is always correct. We're always trying to do the best by our clients. We're always trying to do the best by our people internally. And because of that, we're given leeway internally. Our team will run through walls for us because they know that we're not trying to, we're not asking them to run through the wall because we want to make more money. We're saying that this is a scenario. How do we do, how do we get through this together? And they're, and they're putting their hand up and be like, well, I'll run through that wall. Like, cool, okay. John, you take that one. John's running through that wall. And yeah. Bob's like, I'm going to run through that wall. And because we've got this, this, this culture internally, that's what's happening. Now, for me, that's great. Firstly, that's a, a successful business culture internally, and it's the right thing to do because it's the right thing from a human and empathetic perspective. But I don't want to build a business on, on people burning themselves and running through walls. That's, that's not what I want to do because then that defeats the purpose of my goal, which is running a, a human-focused, empathetic organization. So my focus is right, shit, okay, my, let's focus on recruitment. We need more people in. That person needs support. That person needs support. That account, the client's not paying for those extra two people, but we have to put them on it because these guys are getting killed here because you know, the, the client's that much more demanding. It's a government client. We can't really say no. We're stuck in a bit of an awkward place. Throw more resource at it because, yes, we'll lose money on that account perhaps, but the people will be okay. And then over time, we'll work out how to bring it back into a profitable space. So we don't run the business from a spreadsheet. We run the business from looking at people and saying, okay, what do we need to do right by people whilst at the same time running a good organization? And that's allowed us over the last two years to, you know, to win those accolades of you know, fastest growing agencies and blah, blah, blah. Um, and that's what we're trying to do. It's just, it's just focus on people. That's your going to Mars? That's my going to Mars. Yeah. I really like it. I think to hear in, especially this year, Mm. of all years, a year where people have been made redundant left, right and yeah. centre and had job and career challenges mm. that focusing on people first has been anti-fragile is mm. a very reassuring thing to hear. Yeah, I mean that served us so well whilst coronavirus like, just decimated everything right? You know, we've got, it's in terms of like how people people knew that the company had their back and that helped them in many, many ways. We paid for professionals to come in and do uh, mental health workshops for no the team. Way. We were sending Deliveroo credit once a week to, <laughs> to everybody in the agency so that, um, so that everyone could get to Deliveroo to deliver their lunch and then everyone would get on Zoom and we'd all have team lunch together. So we, honestly, we, we, did, we did so many things to try and focus on, on bringing everyone together and, and making everyone understand that you know, the company's here for you. Like We as an agency, well, we'll get through this together. And, and that definitely helped. It definitely helped the team. And as things started to get better you know, economically with the business, you know, we were losing clients because of you know, major events. Expo got put on hold, for example. We're the social media agency for Expo. I had six people on that account full time. And then they sent us a letter saying, as of next week. Expo 2021 now. Yeah, but there you go. So you know, <laughs> we had a few things like that where sort of you know, revenues got hit. But you know, we didn't cut anybody's salary. We didn't let anybody go. We didn't do any of those things. And we said, right, we're going to pay for this. We're going to fund this as long as we can without affecting anybody in, in the organization because that's the right thing to do. And that's going to cost myself as a shareholder. Um, that's going to cost us. But 
it's the right thing to do. It'll allow, it'll, from a selfish perspective, it will let me sleep at night to know that I'm not basically borrowing from my team by cutting their salaries to then keep that money here for a rainy day. We said, right, if we need to put all of this back in to keep these guys safe, and that's what we're gonna do. And the market fortunately started to come back a little bit earlier than it has for most because we're in the digital space. We picked up more work and then as that happened, what did the team do? They start running through walls because they saw what we did. You know, so it's not even just a, I mean, it, it, it sounds like it's a good business decision, but it, it wasn't. That's mm-hmm. just, mm-hmm. that was just the payoff for doing the right thing from a human perspective. And that's what's, you know, that's what's the most important. And that's what, why we're where we are today. We've, you know, we've hired 40 people since January. Um, and you know, that's because we've, we focused on on people and they've run through walls we win a, we win accounts because of that and um, it's just I'm proud to be part of that team not to run the company and own that company it's I'm proud to be part of that group of people where I can walk in and everyone's high-fiving each other and you just think shit you know what this is a good place to be I've seen some companies that I think you say dictatorially try and achieve the same thing mm. so I've seen some companies during my experience where they have a autocratic forced level of socialization mm. and people are walking along and they're always they got to high five everybody when feel they, like they should when they make yeah. a sale and the whole yeah. thing stops and stuff yeah. like that and um i always wonder it feels a little bit like america sorry to all of the americans that are listening <laughs> um you know when someone's in a brand new relationship and all they do is post about their relationship. That's not just America, though. Yeah, but, but I'm, but so, I'm so I'm getting onto America. Okay. Wait, I haven't forgotten about you, Americans. Um, someone's in a brand new relationship, all of their Facebook photos. Then they get to normal level of Facebook photos. And then they start popping back up. And you think, I think there's something wrong in that. I think that yeah. that is what they're holding on to. Sure. And when I hear the way that people from America, who are quite rightly proud of their country Mm. it's a little bit like the lady doth protest too much it feels a bit sort of like I really like Mm. all the time I Mm. love my country I miss that and you think well there's quite a lot of problems in your country Um, but when I see these companies who operate in the same way it feels incredibly forced and realising that the emperor isn't wearing any clothes happens so quickly for Mm. people like one of the uh, interesting insights I learned the other day is why we have white as humans around our eyes and it's so that we can see where the other person's looking because gaze is such an important indicator of truthfulness interesting if you look at all of the other primates you yeah. look at gorillas and chimps yeah. Yeah. black eyes yeah, so you wouldn't be able to see where someone's looking and because truthfulness okay. is such an important part uh, we have 14 million sensory cells in our body mm-hmm. and 11 million of them are dedicated to sight interesting same again, massively, mm. massively skewed towards mm. what we're looking at. And my concern for companies like that, and also for other ones who maybe don't have this customer, this uh, employee-centered focus, mm. is that if it's not there, built into the source code, emergent, coming out of the day-to-day yeah. activity, people are so quick to pick up on hypocrisy. Yeah. And it's a dangerous situation to be in. It is. And I, I listened to your podcast the other day about, um, about WeWork as, as well. Wow. Yeah, Whoa. that was really interesting. <laughs> Jesus. And that's, I suppose, that, if you're talking about a, a spectrum, that's the, you know, the furthest end of the scale where it is forced, right? And it was forced. And it was, Very much you know, so. There was a lot yeah. of, there's a lot of um, yeah, a lot of hypocrisy, as you say. There was a lot of um, uh, just 
talking about saving the planet while we've got three private jets there and we go. T- yeah, ten yeah. holiday homes. Yeah. yeah, exactly that sort of thing, right? And it's it, it is that. But if we break it back down into a, into a more granular level, and we talk about okay, well, the cultures inside organisations, and you know, is free lunch is going to going to do the do the thing? Is it like? Is it um, is it all the perks? Is it the you know whatever you go into Facebook? Oh wow, you can, you've got a whole kitchen here. You can make your food. Is it all those things? No, it's not. People want to feel safe. That's it. Like if they feel safe when they come into work, that they're not going to be judged, they're not going to be um, ostracized for for whatever reason, they're not going to be fired because politically it was the right thing to do. And um, if they feel safe coming to work, they can really bring themselves to work as humans, and that can be anything that goes with that so we focus on the fact that this is something that 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 i speak to every single person in in an interview about i say look if you you've you're choosing to come and work here and we really respect that because you're choosing to invest your time which is the most important element that any of us have you're choosing to invest your time in the agency you're choosing to invest your career in this organization and we we're firstly very grateful for that but we understand that this is a two-way relationship Yes, you're getting paid a salary to do that, but you're investing a huge amount of who you are. And I know how busy the agency is, so I know what you're going to be investing in this. And that comes from a new joiner or or existing. It's the same dialogue, same conversation. So therefore, as an agency, we have a responsibility not just to say, cool, well, at 6 p.m., us, you're not our responsibility anymore. You go and you keep your personal life out of this because that's, that's your life. And we're only interested in the hours that we pay you for. That's... That's not how we operate, but that's how a lot of businesses operate. You should be able to come in and start crying at work because something's happened at home. Like you have to be human in the workplace. And if, if, you, if you create the environment where someone can really bring their humanity into the workplace and say, I'm having a really shit day because of A, B, C, or D. And when we're dealing with the size of workforce that we have, we have parents dying. We have um, scenarios of someone getting terminally ill. We have, um, whether that be the workforce or their, 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 their sister, their brother, you know, there's this, this things going on all the time. And we had a core focus from, from early on of saying, right, well, we need to look after them in, 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 in their entirety. So we've, like, we've gone to pick somebody up from an office because we've been told something has happened in their family before they've been told. Wow. And we've had to pick them up from a client meeting with a plane ticket and be like, you need to go home and take them to the airport, get them on a plane. Like we have to look after people to that level because at the end of the day, how can how can we ask so much of people in the workspace when I know that they're working on weekends, I know that they'll be working in the evening for that pitch tomorrow morning, all of those things. So as a company, we've made the decision that we will look after the entirety of that person, whether that be sometimes financially giving them, like something's gone on at home, will that help? Cool, that'll help. And, and that's not something we talk about across the business and from one person to the other person they don't know that we've done it it's not something that we celebrate but it's something we do on an individual level often because you'll have someone in the office crying their eyes out because of A, B, C and D and if, if myself or as a, as a company we have the opportunity to fix that problem by telling that person that what do you mean you're, you're waiting for a week to get on the plane because of X, Y and Z like absolutely no workload off money there you go go <laughs> we've had scenarios where someone's not wanted to say that they're waiting for their salary to come through in a week's time to get on a plane to go and see their sick father I was just like what? they were new they didn't know that they could actually ask for these things and I was like there's a plane ticket not even taking it out of your salary or if you go come back when you know when you're okay one thing that I've thought about a lot recently and this ties into it is how athletes and sports people 
have a lot of mental models that we probably should port across into real life and think about what every group sport is called the mm. team yeah. what does a team do mm. team works together to achieve the goals yeah. I think team in a business context a lot of the time is just a title yeah. I've been a part of teams and I'm sure you have as well where no one cares yeah. you turn up how many people know that I can't be myself at work I can't say what I mean to say yeah. and the team isn't working together you're pulling in that direction I'm pulling in this one yeah. and John's pulling that way and we're getting nowhere Everyone's pretending to be robots, right? Because everyone's bringing their work selves to work. So that's, there's a problem there already. And like you said, there's, you know, there's high-performing teams and there's certain indicators of high-performing teams that are similar across all. So on one of the Wednesday calls that I do, I, I talk through different things that I might have picked up during the week that I think will help the, help the organization, help the team. And one of them the other day was actually the All Blacks. So it's the tenets of the, uh, of the All Blacks rugby team. What are they? Um, I can't remember all of them, um, but one that certainly stands out uh, is no dickheads. Fine. And that's like, the actual words. What an, what an unbelievable rule to live life yeah. by. Yeah. And they're literally like, it doesn't matter how good you are, if you're a dickhead, you're not on this team. So you can be the greatest rugby player that the world has ever seen. If you act like a dickhead, you're gone. The other one is sweep the sheds. So sweep the sheds is, doesn't matter who you are, it could be Richie McCaw in this case, is the, is the captain of the team. You should still be the guy that's sweeping the changing rooms after a game. You should be able to do that, and you should do that at times. So it's about understanding that nobody's too big. Nobody's bigger than the team itself. Nobody's more important than the team itself. And myself included, I might own the business, but I'm there, sleeves rolled up with the team when it, when it needs to, and that's what, that's, what you need to, that's what you need to be able to do. So the way that we talk internally is we're somewhere between a family and a high-performing team. We do more on the family side than most companies would, but... Don't think that you can come come into work day after day and not perform because you will be asked to leave, <laughs> and everyone knows that. You know we've 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 moved people out of the businesses. They're just I, a the only th- the only thing we're ruthless on in the company. The only thing is culture. So we've had people that have come in, done a great job. I'm getting WhatsApp messages from the clients saying how happy they are with this new person that's running their account, but they're being a dickhead internally. Three weeks later, oh. they're gone. I phone the client, I'm sorry, I know they're really good at their job, I know you love them, blah, blah, blah. but no, internally they were gossiping, they were just niggling, just, they were the sort of cancer that you need to pull out very quickly before it starts to poison the well. Um, and that was, uh, yeah, that, that's the one thing that we, that we focus on. To back that up, I remember reading an example about putting problem students in with groups of high performers and what the researchers were trying to look at was does one bad apple spoil the lot mm. or can an overwhelming number of high performers bring up the person who is lazy or unmotivated or mm. negative or transactional uh, and it turned out that it was one bad apple spoils a lot Amazing. fairly robustly across a number of different studies Amazing. they found if you put into a I think it was academic work in like creating a portfolio for some master's program yeah and um, you could put one underperforming student in with a group of five of the highest performing students mm. and all of the high performing students would start to downregulate. Um, so being how would you say being dictatorial with culture mm. and liberal with emotion yeah I think work, seems like a nice a nice idea my final question is what are you working on personally over the next year you've still got areas of yourself yeah. that you want to enhance and reduce what have you got 
sort of on the personal AGM for the next year? Yeah, good question. So there's a, a couple of different areas. So firstly, um, so you know, easier area of that question to answer, uh, the fitness side. So you know, I'm, I'm focusing on running the fastest marathon that I can. So I'm focused on goals for that. So I, I changed all of my training from some of the longer ultra stuff to, to trying to run as a... I feel like a sprinter, you know. Yeah. It's a very different way of training. It's a very different mindset. It's, it's What are you hoping to hit? Um, my my uh, my PB at the moment is three fourteen for the for the marathon, and I want to get a sub three. So I've got a bit of work to do. Um, so yeah, so we'll see. But it doesn't help the bloody races get keep getting cancelled. Abu Dhabi got cancelled. Dubai got cancelled. So so we'll see. So like, when I get back to actually you know being lined up for a race, then then that's going to be the the goal. Um, outside of that, look, my focus is you know I'm 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 fairly newly married, so it's uh, making sure that I'm balancing that side of things with everything that's going on with work because you know we're we just opened an office in Saudi we're you know in the process of um, uh, of opening in, in Egypt so that, that that's sucking up a, a lot of my time so it's just trying to balance everything that I've got going on um, with you know focusing on on the work because I need to push that as far as I can right now it's one of those points where I have to go all in on it but not to the detriment whereas before I had girlfriends and stuff I was a lot more relaxed it's like yeah. okay let's push that it goes it goes yeah. yeah you know now I need to be bigger well, commitment now bigger commitment I've got to be more focused so just trying to be the best I can in that space and and to be honest just constantly growing you know from from a leadership perspective every day is a new set of challenges every day I've never done x before as a company grows right you know you've never looked after 30 people before then you've never looked after 31 before then you've never worked after 32 so we get into the stage now where there's what i've noticed and obviously the business books say this but it's only when you really get to it that you really understand that when things get to a certain scale and size everything changes so the difference between like x and y is not a huge it's just more hours of the same now all of a sudden my role completely changes so I'm now further out of my comfort zone than I was six months ago. and I'm Exponentially. Exponentially, and it keeps challenging that, right? So I'm not doing the stuff that I feel I was good at. So, you know, you start off doing whatever X is, mm. whatever your artistry is, and you build a business around it, and then you do more of it and more of it and more of it, and then you actually start to do less, less of, of it, it because you start <laughs> to bring people in, right? And then it gets to a point where you don't do any of it, and your job is completely different because you don't do any of these things anymore. You, your, your, your focus has to be completely is, is driving the strategy of the company forward, looking after people, making sure that resourcing we're set up, making sure that where are the problem points, where, where are things maybe falling between the gaps. And as we're scaling so much, like we grew 91% headcount last year. So you, know, you can imagine it's, you know, it's a it's, different business. It's, it's a completely different organization. And like I said, we're not, we're not perfect in, in, in any which way. We're trying to be the best that we can be. And sometimes there's, there's things that we do incredibly well and, and you know, we get that visibility for it, which, which is down to amazing people in the organization. And other times we get it wrong. And my job is to look across the business and try and pinpoint where we're going wrong or where we're going down a path that's wrong or where we've got the wrong people doing the wrong things. So my job now is mostly resourcing of just literally get not, not letting us put square pegs in round holes. I need the round pegs in the round holes. And, and that's the, if you get that right, then everything works well. As soon as you get high-performing people doing the wrong thing, they might, they're not high-performing people anymore. So you can end up losing really, ta- really good talent because you haven't focused on what they're actually doing day to day and would they be better over here. So it's a constant move because this person is on leave and then this person's sick and then this person joins. So it's constantly evolving. So being better at that um, 
is is my core focus. So trying to consume whatever I can to to just improve. A couple of insights there. The first one being you were talking about your relationship, and I was thinking about the analogy with the team, and don't let bad apples spoil the lot. Mm. Internally, especially when you're spending a lot of time with one person, all of the different dials and knobs of emotions and resentment and undealt with trauma that you have Mm -hmm. are kind of like different players or different team members. Mm -hmm. And what you don't necessarily want actually is to set the tone early on, early on in this marriage that you've got Mm -hmm. with some of those bad apples actually starting to, you know, plant and get some roots in there. And then I've stopped it for a bit and then it Mm -hmm. comes back and it's much harder you know, as we've spoken about, use the word exponential, yeah. that can grow into a real big problem. So I think setting the tone in relationships early, very positively, mm. and doubling down on that, front-loading the lack of the lack of arguing, yeah. I think, or front-loading the harmony is mm. a way that you could look at doing that. I think it's a very, very smart way to run a relationship. Yeah. Uh, and the second thing was you were talking about doing something new that I've never done before, which is mm. imposter syndrome, mm. like feeling I am unprepared, unqualified and inexperienced at all of the stuff that I have to do every day. Mm. I had Seth Godin on the show a couple of weeks ago and he gave this wonderful example about imposter syndrome and he said, when you feel imposter syndrome, say thank you. If you're doing something that you've never done before, you have every right to feel like an imposter. Mm. Feeling like an imposter is a sign that you're doing good work. Mm -hmm. It means that you are breaking new ground. It means that you are doing things, pushing the boundaries of what you have done before. So say thank you. And I was like, yeah. such a good way of looking at it, isn't it? I, I did a whole podcast with myself and my business partner on, on imposter syndrome, and it was one of the most downloaded uh, shows that we that we ever did because everybody feels it. Every time you get a new job, every time you get a promotion, uh, any of these things, you always feel like oh, there's, surely there's someone more qualified than I am. Um, and no, I've gone through it multiple times, but now I'm going through, like as I said, all these new challenges of you know where we where we're at with work, but I'm totally cool with that. Because the, 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 the freedom I give myself and the freedom I give my team is that it's okay not to be great at anything. Like any, anyone in the, on the management team can be like, I know that's within my remit because I look after X, but I haven't got a fucking clue about that side of things. Because <laughs> I know that they're really good over here and nobody's good at everything, right? And you have, to, you have to give yourself, you have to be easy enough on yourself to understand that if you're going to grow, you're, you're, it, it's, it's growth for a reason. It's because you don't know how to do it. And it's, it's, it's understanding that. And I think he put it really really well with, uh, with saying thank you because if you have that gratitude mindset as well to know that, okay, well, I'm going into this space, I should be thankful that I've either put myself in it, so gratitude to yourself, or thank you to X person that believes in you enough to say that they feel that you can do that. So you should, yeah, you should be grateful for that. And that's how we all grow. I love it. Tom, man, yeah. today's been fantastic. Thank you for joining me. Right, People want to check out your stuff. Where should they go? Um, at Tom Otten on Instagram would probably be the best one. Um, anything professional on, on LinkedIn as well. Uh, you know, I'm on there. And then, um, and yeah, uh, podcast, The Creator Sessions. Um, so, yeah, that's it. Fantastic. Thank you, yeah. mate. Cheers, mate. And we're done. Easy Perfect. as that. Thank you very much for tuning in. How good was that? I would absolutely love to hear your feedback. Feel free to head over to the Modern Wisdom YouTube channel and check out the comments. The discussions are lively and interesting and sometimes feature people who are perhaps a little bit unhinged. So go and enjoy. Also, I am trying to hit 100,000 subscribers before Christmas. So even if you don't want to go and observe the cesspool that is the YouTube comment section, please take two seconds out of your day right now. Type in Modern Wisdom on your YouTube app and go hit subscribe. Come on, get your phone out.
Go press, go press the button. It would make me very, 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 very happy. And I'll see you next time.